0: This is a whole observatory podcast.
1: Five, four, three, two, one,
0: zero. Welcome to Star Stuff, in space body team. Hi, and welcome to Star Stuff. My name is Cody Half Moon, your host. And today I am here with Jeff Gehring, who is one of my best friends. And I actually don't. I just realized I don't know your title. Uh, machinist. Wait, let me guess. Machinist, engineer, extraordinaire, officer.
1: Sure, that's maybe the way things started. Uh, I'm currently the tech facilities manager here at Lowell Observatory. Tech facilities. Okay, yeah. I remember. I manage that. a small team that our our main duties are taking care of the large moving structures, the domes, mm-hmm. the telescopes for all of our on-site and off-site telescopes.
0: And Big Red.
1: And Big Red. Which we'll talk about, of
0: course, because I love my cars. So uh, I want to start with how you got into this. That's really specific is machining parts and restoring telescopes just in general. But I know that's not where you started. And I I, I have spoilers because I actually know.
1: Yeah, you know a little bit. Uh, So pretend
0: I I don't know. How did you?
1: I kind of got here uh, in Flagstaff kind of haphazardly.
0: You have to do the telepathy.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I was looking for a new job and just kind of needed a, a new lease on life. I had been machining for about 15 years at the time, working in aerospace, becoming kind of a hard metal specialist. Um, we did a lot of AOG work, stuff like that, right? Airplane on ground for the layman um
0: airplane on ground yeah that's the opposite of what airplanes exactly
1: (laughs) and you know boeing estimates that every minute that an airplane sits on the ground is about a million dollars or something like that what what do you mean? lost revenue yeah
0: so what you're machining things that stay so
1: if they don't have any spares in stock Uh they will contact us and the air force does this too where they'll contact us and we'll produce a part for them as absolutely fast as we can to get the plane back in the sky. Oh, okay. Right? So
0: while it's on the ground, you're is it like the pit team in NASCAR?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Kind of like a super, super expedite, if you will. Okay. Right. Um, so yeah, I kind of was just bored with aerospace and some of the military R and D work so that boring. I had done and was looking to get out of Washington because I was tired of the rain. And mm. um I was over at a buddy's house and decided, uh, I think I want to do something different. And I wrote four city names on a piece of paper, hung it up on a dartboard, mm-hmm. threw my dart and hit flight staff, and I moved here.
0: Without a job. You were just like, I I'm going have job, here, I'm going to take off. A had while. money in
1: the bank, Figure I could live here a year before I needed to do something else, and uh, moved here. And I was here for about a month and a half and mm-hmm. uh, ran into a local connection who said that Lowell Observatory was looking for a machinist. And I said, well, what's a Lowell Observatory? <laughs> you know, I, I knew what observatories were, but the way he said it, I just didn't know. And I didn't know anything of the history of Lowell at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we've got quite the colored history. Mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody else talked about that on the podcast.
0: Oh, we have a few episodes about, yes. Yeah. The craziest stories and then just your general. So people, if they're, if they're watching, they should know.
1: Yeah. So I... End up laying a job here as a machinist with Lowell. What does that mean? Machinist? uh, I operate machine equipment to produce things out of raw stock metal, right? So I would work with the instrument team. At that time, I was part of the instrument team. Mm -hmm. And they would come up with a crazy design for a metal object to hold an optic or, you know, even a full design for uh, instrumentation, Mm -hmm. the housing, the block that mounts to the telescope. Um, These are large
0: telescopes or... Yeah, this
1: was mostly for the LDT when I first got here okay. that we were working on stuff for. Right,
0: right. Because that would be 10 years ago-ish.
1: Yeah, I've been here a decade now. So I know. Yeah, last Thursday, a decade. Like... <gasps> Congratulations.
0: Yeah, crazy, wow. Old, huh?
1: I know. I'm, I'm <laughs> starting to feel like an old-timer around here, all the white in my beard. Oh, anyway. man. god. Um. Yeah. So, you know, they, they come up with a schematic drawing, right, and uh mm-hmm. give you a model or whatever. And it's your job to produce that from a block of metal and whittle it down to make it the exact shape within, you know, the tolerance of the human hair or a quarter. Of, oh, yeah.
0: I was about to say, uh, is 3D printing going to take place of that? But maybe it sounds like mm, not
1: for a while. I'm a huge believer in 3D printing, especially what metal 3D printing can produce. Mm-hmm. There is processes in 3D printing and metal 3D printing mm-hmm. where you can produce things that are incapable of being machined. Internal square corners, uh, some of the ducting, Internal like I know... Internal square corner. Oh. Yeah, you cannot machine a square corner except for with a points EDM, uh, electro discharge. Heavy metal, mm-hmm. EDM. We've yeah, got- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't remember what EDM stands for. I know these so, words. Right? So... Uh, that's the only way to get like a theoretically square internal corner is with a point CDM hmm. machine. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, they, you know, and you, gosh, I wish I had brought a couple of examples or something. <laughs> um, yeah, so I get, you know, big old block of steel and I whittle it down until it's the exact shape. And Do most you of these whistle? things are whistle yeah, while you whistle whittling? while I work. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, well <laughs> I just appreciate like whittling you're and... such a dork yeah, I do have I do a little pocket knife on these steel blocks and make everything <laughs> no, we got in, your, in your rocking and, uh, chair
0: in the machine yeah. shop
1: Lays mills, CNC mills uh, you know saws sometimes you're down to files um, sometimes we did some uh, photo etching processes to like cut copper sheeting into transferring of thermal properties between um, thermal heads to cool off there's ccds and stuff
0: barely know what you're saying oh it's a right. <laughs> so thermal so like it captures
1: well a major thing with like cameras and electronics is the heat transference, right ccds don't work oh. at high temperatures that's why they're always chilled with like sterling coolers and liquid helium and the such right oh oh i guess we got yeah <laughs> we gotta do a field trip and teach you some things oh. um so you know you got to keep the ccd really really cold uh A camera.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, like the LMI camera, Uh that is a CCD.
0: Megalithic imager.
1: Yes. That is a CCD that I believe is roughly that big. Mm -hmm. Right. And each of those is like a little pixel, right? Mm -hmm. And that has to be at a really, really stable temperature or else you get faulty information in your imagery. I see. Right?
0: And this is what the tool that's attached to the little Discovery Telescope Yes. for imaging the night yeah, sky.
1: Yeah. Okay. So transference of heat. You want to suck away heat from those objects, and you have to do that in a way that doesn't transfer vibration because...
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So we make these really interesting cold heads, right, that will transfer heat without transferring vibration.
0: So you just learned how to do this on the
1: job? Well... Yeah, I learned a lot about, you know, instrumentation and telescopes here uh-huh. on the job. I'd never been to an observatory. We don't have a lot of them in Washington State because I imagine. <laughs> it's always cloudy. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, we get 300 sunny days a year here in yeah. Flagstaff, so it's yeah. pretty awesome. Um,
0: That's cool. So yeah. it just kind of happened. So it just kind of happened. But yeah. now you're the manager. I landed the observatory,
1: and the first big project that I got stuck on was a uh, we did a restoration of the historic Clark Telescope.
0: Yes. I want to talk about this okay. in depth a little bit because mm-hmm. I, so like I said, Jeff is one of my closest friends and I, I think it was like a year into me working here because I knew you before I started working here. Yeah. I realized that I had never been to your office mm-hmm. and I had no idea what you did here because so you're like, are you kidding? Are you serious? just another sh- pretty yeah, face. Just another pretty face. So I was like, you know, and then I learned... What you did, and I still didn't even understand it because it was the tour that I was giving, was it NASA students or maybe Arizona Science Center? I can't remember.
1: Oh, out of the MPOI?
0: No, here on campus. And um, I kind of, I want to say broke into the Clark because it sounds cool, but I have a key. But got into the Clark and you were in there or nearby and you're like, oh, do you want me to give you a tour? Or, you know, do you want some context? I can Mm -hmm. help you out because I'm struggling. I'm like, it's a Victorian telescope and it helped discover. So I I didn't know anything about how it worked. Um, That you machined the bolts during this restoration to match or the screws.
1: Yeah. So an interesting process happened with that telescope. Like I said, I kind of hired in Mm -hmm. and that was the first thing that they stuck me on was we're going to do this restoration of this. You Know, 100 and well, it was 13, so 120 year old telescope roughly. Yeah, right. And I've worked on old cars and stuff my whole life. I'm a big car freak. And last Saturday, and last Saturday, yeah, (laughs) thank you. Uh, Like, first car I ever drove was a 1936 Plymouth that my grandfather owned, right? And Mm -hmm.
0: zero shock.
1: The first time they got me, you know, sitting on his lap behind the wheel kind of thing, my Mm -hmm. mom might know that. Don't listen to this, mom. (laughs) Uh, So, hi, Gifts, mom. Um, so yeah, I mentioned like all the old stuff, right? And old mm-hmm. metallurgy and being a machinist, you know, I've worked in all kinds of metals. Well, we start tearing apart this telescope and some of the hardware was wrong, right? It was mismatched. It didn't match the right arrow. It From wasn't an the original Sykes? bolt. Oh, right. A bolt would break and they'd replace it with whatever you had around because it's the been telescope been around for over hundred years. I mean, yeah, yeah. And the telescope, unlike like restoring an old car, it's a working tool, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's worked every day of its life. So yeah. it wasn't important that it looked the part, right? That the bolts all mad- matched. That it worked. What mattered was that it worked, right? Right. And give so, us some
0: context, like just so people can picture it. Like how big is this thing? How old uh, is it? The
1: telescope itself is 36
0: feet long. That sounds right.
1: Yeah, you could insert an image here.
0: Oh, yeah. Right here, Nate. <laughs> Just a little
1: and uh, one of your beautiful photos, please. It's, I think, about four feet around at it, its biggest point, you know, the central pivot. Point. Four feet? Yeah. It's maybe three. Maybe three. Yeah. <gasps> heavy. Jeez. Um, and it weighs, I want to say, right around 3,600 pounds for the movable portion. And then the base itself weighs around 3,600 pounds. Yeah. It's a big, heavy thing.
0: It's huge and gorgeous. It's very mm-hmm. steampunk.
1: So when we start tearing it apart, we we made the decision that we are going to powder coat this telescope and it was covered in Power? lead paint. Oh, right? okay. And lead melts at a low enough temperature that we had to get every single little bit of lead paint off the telescope. So...
0: You knew this telescope intimately at this point. Oh, yeah. No, I, know <laughs> I
1: know every bolt on that telescope intimately. Um so yeah, we we strip it down. We used uh, I, I get confused on this. It's either lead sulfate or phosphate. One of them is dangerous, absorbed through skin or breathed, uh, and and the other is not. And mm-hmm. there's a lead neutralizing stripper that flips it one way or another. I can't remember what it is. Mm-hmm. So we use that, and then all the proper garb and ground every single little bit of paint off of it. Right. Well, in disassembling all the How bolts. Long did this take? Um, it took about a year to do the telescope, and then we had to wait for about another five months because of weather <laughs> to reassemble it and put it back in place. Oh
0: my god!
1: So, yeah. So that was like a fun puzzle, though. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a great. Jigsaw. Lots and lots of pictures. And I had plenty of help. I had uh, my mentor here was Ralph Nye, and uh, he was an uh, engineer. He'd been here. He retired after forty three years with the observatory, Mm. and we had uh, Peter Rosenthal was working in the office with me, and he was a camera repairman from uh, Flagstaff here and was Mm. just really good with chemicals and um, finishes. That was his expertise, whereas mine was kind of the metal, right, and mechanical. Tearing Mm -hmm. things apart, putting back together is...
0: Sounds about right. I've been
1: doing it to my father's chagrin since I was a child. (laughs) Tearing apart things I shouldn't have. How Um, many
0: toasters did you break as a kid? (laughs) Probably lots, yeah.
1: Uh, So anyway, yeah, when we're tearing apart these bolts, like some of them were mismatched and didn't fit the era. Mm -hmm. And it was really important to me that we restored the telescope. Jeff is a
0: perfectionist, by the way. It comes
1: with the trait of being a machinist. You're very perfectionist, which is great. Most people work within... Quarters of inches. I work within quarters of thickness of hair. Right. Oh Your typical human hair is about three thousandths thick, and I'm used to working down in the tenths of thousands. So yeah, perfectionist comes with the territory.
0: I don't see. I le- I just learned that I didn't know that you did that. Yeah. Wow.
1: So yeah. So Clark telescope mm-hmm. built in 1896. Right. Stripped her down. Stripped it down. Took it all apart. And. The standardization of bolts for thread pitch and sizes didn't actually come around until I believe it was 1932 was the SAE standard. There
0: were no standards before yeah, that. Yeah, there wasn't. Just I, whatever I think you that did. Whatever you did. Okay.
1: Um, I forget because I did a lot of research at the time to make mm-hmm. sure I was restoring things the best that I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but like some of the bolts on this telescope were not your standard pitch where I could just buy them off the shelf, right? Like. Half thirteen, you know, that's half inch diameter, thirteen thread per inch, right? Oh my
0: god. We so yeah. Jeff and I were just, he was helping me with my car and we were just at um Napa. Yeah. Or no, we went to Homeco. It's like a yeah. local lumber and hardware part hardware store. And he's like looking through these bolts, and he's like, oh, this is a 125th three quarter inch and he's not even reading the thing. He's just like, Oh, wait! I think that this looking at that screw, that's a one, whatever. And I'm just like drinking my coffee that they give like at the front desk. Like yeah. okay. <laughs> it, was, it was really impressive Yeah, because fractions, not my thing.
1: But that's, that's the world that I live in, right? It's mechanics and bolts and everything like that. So some of these bolts are not standard sizes, right? Hmm. I can't even go to, uh, a shop and buy a tap to chase the hole to make sure all the paint is out of it and stuff, right? So some oh. of these I actually had to take a piece of raw steel, machine the threads on it, cut the grooves to make a tap out of it, harden it, you know, you, you get it nice and hot and then you quench it in oil so it hardens it, so I could chase the threads in the material to make sure the threads were in good shape, and you know, Jeez. I'm assuming clean. there
0: are a lot of bolts on this thing. Oh yeah, <laughs>
1: totally. I can't even imagine how many bolts there are. Um, I mean, there are a bunch. A ton. Yeah. I mean,
0: this is if you picture like steampunk design. This yeah, is... this was
1: this was built at uh, basically in what you imagine old ships being built, right? Cast iron and then rolled sheet metal with pirate rivets, and cowboy days, right? And uh, so it looks like an old ship in in design. And you're in right; it kind of does. Yep. Is brass, that what we call it a her? <laughs> lots of brass on it, stuff like that. Right? I
0: have been asked why it, so many people refer to Clark as like she or like she's doing this, and oh, Clark really? is like a male name. Yeah, and I was like, look at her. Huh? She beautiful. She thick. She's perfect.
1: See, whereas mechanical things to me have no gender. I'm one of those. Oh people that
0: like, yeah, you don't. No, yeah. my
1: cars don't have names. They They don't. don't. I know. I
0: I was upset about this when we first (laughs) talked about your cars not having names. It's like, do you even like them?
1: (laughs) Oh, I love them. I love them. I'm obsessed with them. Uh So yeah, so not only did I have to make taps to chase holes for existing hardware to make sure everything was clean, some of the bolts I actually reproduced from scratch. So I take a raw piece of material, right? cut the threads on it so it matched match the same size, mm-hmm. cut the head down so it'd be emulating the old style of things. Literally
0: what they probably did to make
1: these bolts. Yeah. Similar processes, yeah. Jeez. And, yeah, but some of them, you know, like I said, because the the thread pitches just were something you can't buy off the shelf now. And that that brought up a really interesting thing about, like, forensics, right? This is what I called uh, mechanical forensics. Ooh. Where... I would tear into a process on the telescope that was a modification because it's a working tool. It's been modified mm-hmm. every couple of decades. Somebody right. wants to do a new science project with it. Technology it's like changes. Layers of right? years of changes. So it originally was just yeah. an eyepiece. Then we added the spectrograph for Slipher, right? And then we put in the uh, the blue filter and for the Apollo project, right? Isn't
0: the the thing that Slipher put on there? Isn't that what sort of like discovered the expansion of the
1: universe. Well, yeah, uh, my understanding, and I'm not an astronomer, right? Uh, in fact, I don't know a whole lot about the science. I know a lot about the mechanics, uh-huh. right? Was that he discovered what was defined as the redshift. Mm-hmm. That, right? that then Hubble heard at a AAS presentation. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. used that working theory to mm-hmm. come up with the expanding universe theory.
0: The tool was put on the Clark. Yeah. That found the evidence of the big bang and then also the rings of Uranus. I believe that was a tool that was added to the Clark.
1: Mm, I don't know on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I think
0: I remember reading that.
1: I know that like a lot of the, uh, lunar mapping of the, Oh yeah. Was done on the Clark for Apollo. So like all these modifications, right? Mm. Well, I'd look through for what was the process for this modification to see what year kind of was this modified. And then go back as deep as I could to make sure that things were fitting that standard. I bet you of were just things. so happy. One of the examples I like to give is there was this modification to the end, end of it for uh, the spectrograph. Okay. And it had these windows and they were filled with like chunks of aluminum, right? Just aluminum sheet metal.
0: And this was to take photos through the Clark.
1: Uh, this was for the spectrograph. Yeah. Yeah, no photos, just spectra. Spectra, right? okay. Yeah. Excuse me. Mm. Um so, the aluminum plates didn't look right. Didn't okay. look they right. They were way too modern for the telescope with all this brass and no other aluminum on it. So, I replaced them with like brass, thinking that would fit more to the era of it. Okay. Right. Well, the first thing I did was engine turned the brass, which is the process that you see on really old airplanes and old cars where the dashboards have like all this spun brass on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I know what you're talking about.
1: I did that and I started thinking about it. I was like, when did engine turning become a process? So I hit the patents, right? And engine turning wasn't patented to like 1911 or 1913. I'm like, well, that's like a decade too new for the telescope, right? Uh-huh. So I went back and I polished out all my engine turning because it was too oh, modern my for gosh. the telescope. We look at modifications and if they were arc welded together, when did arc welding become patented okay that's probably when this was built oh well this was clearly turned on a lathe right when would this process have come up so that's how i discovered a lot of like i bet you love mechanical that. forensics nerding
0: yeah. out researching yeah. Yeah. so
1: in the time of doing all this right mm-hmm. they discovered that not only was i machinist that i had some pretty strong mechanical skills and mechanical understanding I'm not an engineer. I'm not yes, an engineer. You, okay. Okay. Engineers fight for a settings. different day. Yes, fight for another day. Um, but I have pretty solid understanding of mechanical things. So oh my, my God, time. Engineer would. <laughs> my time ended up being pulled away from the machine shop to help with mechanical analysis and repair of so many of the telescopes. And the buildings, you know, almost all of our telescope buildings here have big mechanical systems mm-hmm. to open them up and rotate the entire building. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's wheels that have to rotate and spindles and bearings and drive systems and mm-hmm. all this stuff, right? And it turned out that I was getting so, so needed in those areas mm-hmm. for my mechanical analysis to help out Ralph with that that uh, I didn't have time to machine anymore. I really had no time to actually run a machine to produce parts. So the decision was made that, you know, I would start training up with Ralph a little bit more, Mm -hmm. um, knowing that he was reaching an era era where he had talked about retiring after 43 years in the industry. Um, I mean, well-deserved. And um, so I started to follow along and do that a little more in depth. And then when Ralph decided to retire, we, we took the opportunity to kind of divide things up a little bit into the... The maintenance side of things I mm. hired a new machinist to replace me who uh I'll I'll just say it on on camera here <gasps> I think he's a better machinist than I am oh, so you know, put that feather in your hat right <laughs> uh Jared <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so now I lead just a small team and we're all I've got construction worker carpenters mm-hmm. uh woodworkers um uh, yeah. people who understand electronics in a more uh, more in-depth than I do, and it's our job yeah. to run around and take care of all these domes and telescopes.
0: And cars. Before and we cars. end, I want you to talk about Big Red. So Big Red, is it 1911? It's
1: a 1911 yes. Stevens Duryea, and it was personal. Lowell's an old, old,
0: old car.
1: It was personal, Lowell's <laughs> personal car. Um, he ordered it, had a custom coachwork for the body to be nine inches wider than the standard one. So that uh, his wife could sleep in the back seat because she didn't like sleeping in a tent. And they wait. Would, what? That's what it was. That's why it's wider in the back. Yeah. What do you mean? His wife hated sleeping on the ground in a tent. Why and would she would, be doing this? Because they would drive around to do occultations or observings out in the desert. She
0: went with him, my yep. goth princess. Oh God, yep. I love her. <laughs>
1: So, uh, yeah, and then they throw a telescope in. They drive out into the middle of the desert to do uh, different Excuse observings. Excuse
0: me, that's so romantic. <laughs> okay.
1: And now I'm part of a volunteer team here at the uh, company that takes care of her. She uh, She's still running. Uh, there, I said she. Yeah.
0: <laughs> she's beautiful. It's and, red, very... Um, I've never seen another car Like her, yeah, amazing. It's it's fascinating on display uh, too at the PCC. If you're up here for viewing, but sometimes it's not because you're fixing her up to do or driving her. I know I've got. I haven't been able to drive her yet. Um, to you know, lead parades downtown for Flagstaff, go to car shows, stuff like that.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. She's famous. Yeah, but as far as we understand, we believe that she's the last running of her model in the in the world. Hmm. That's what we've been told. We're not car historians here, but mm-hmm. that's what we've heard and uh yeah, we we team up a uh, an effort to keep her running and driving and I've been recently teaching the rest of the team on how to how to drive the car so I'm not the only one in case I get hit by a big truck or something, you mm-hmm. know. As it happens all the time. Yeah.
0: So, I'm curious also because I have a few things I definitely want you to talk about. One of them are um this of the stories that you can share, I'm curious, like what is something that happened that was like a whoa, you didn't expect that or it set you back by a lot or um, that was kind of a surprise or that stand out in memory from fixing pretty much every mechanical thing on this historic campus and off campus, the J1 M, well, Jim. yeah, we
1: have the Anderson Mesa site. Mm-hmm. Um, and the LDT the and Happy Jack? The LDT and Happy Jack as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, you've been around the campus and off campus yeah, and off there's, sites there's and working not too with many the government that I and... don't have
1: keys to or yep. don't get involved in yep. at this point. Yeah. Um, there's, there's been some interesting things, you know, like uh, finding historic artifacts that like are tucked away underneath a telescope, you know. What? Um, <gasps>
0: Tell me about old, this.
1: Old, man, super, super old oil cans that we found underneath the Clark. Right, um, like there's all the that rocks.
0: space too. Well, no,
1: this was like sealed in behind panels underneath the steps. So it was like it's all raw rock underneath there. Uh-huh. And we, we had to get access to look for some wiring issues and found like, a super old oil can that's and stuff awesome. Like I
0: that love that you kept the pencil writing inside the Clark too. Oh yeah. The mathematics um, and wasn't there directions to a bar downtown? Somebody's got
1: a drawn I heard that there's a I've heard so this far, myth, yeah. But somebody's got like a bell curve drawn out there for oh. calculations. There's a whole bunch of stuff like that, and we were really careful to restore all that stuff, yeah. right? We we cleaned it very delicately, and then mm-hmm. we'd actually uh, clear over the top of it nice. so it's retained for you know preservation. Awesome. Um,
0: These scientists will like be up observing at night in the Clark back in the day, and would just turn and do simple math equations on. The inside of the Clark, interior of the Clark, and their pencil. Because
1: there wasn't a paper notepad around, so they just write it right on the wall. Scientists. Let's see. I think one of the things I can talk about that was funny was in the Clark Dome. Mm -hmm. um, Opening up a cabinet doors, we're just going through and repairing some of the wood and finding a man sink in one of the holes. Uh -uh. That's what I've heard it referred to as. What? Basically urinal. Uh-uh. Yeah, you didn't know
0: that they just pee in
1: there. There's a urinal in the wall in the Clark. What's Dumb. it drained to? The rocks. <laughs> Wait, where the Clark? <laughs> well, I don't want to tell everybody. Oh no! you looking for it. So that was one of the funnier things. Or finding like, did
0: you ever hear this? You know, <laughs> it's
1: so good. Really old business cards. Um, a man. Some really crystal. neat old tools. Right. That just got left behind by my predecessor mechanics, you know, like business cards In sure old business cards and yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, that's kind of been like the finding and then, you yeah, you know, interesting old stuff, but then understanding some of these mechanical systems is far more interesting to me. Mm. You know, the, the way that, we do things now which is just so heavy with electronics to define things, and mm-hmm. everything has to be mechanical and electrical, like to these crazy degrees of precision. And to tear apart these old things, like the Clark was originally gravity drive. There wasn't electricity to the to the telescope, right? Right. So it's old drive it's systems, lead weights, and a cable to a. Gravity drive system that spins yeah, and then it rubs to slow down, right? Rubs little felt pads against a disc.
0: Hmm.
1: So finding out how those systems work and how elegantly they worked in comparison to having to have computer boards and chips Mm -hmm. and, you know, electronics and uh, readouts and stepper motors, like it just Mm -hmm. worked, you Mm -hmm. know, and it feels like. Sometimes, as much as I love technology, like we're going backwards by using technology as a crutch for everything, yeah. mm-hmm. right?
0: Well, I mean, it's just like the classic uh, parallel to that would be Jurassic Park. Sure, yeah. CGI versus... Practical effects. The practical effects. Oh, I'm a
1: huge fan of like... The
0: practical effects will win every time. I'm
1: a huge fan of like the, the Jim Henson, yes. uh, you know art of puppetry building and puppets and yeah practical effects yeah i love that stuff
0: it's it's ageless yeah. i
1: think so
0: yeah so that's amazing
1: a so, lot of it is digging through and rediscovering how did they build this and that comes up with the clark too but that's another episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: the sykes well like
1: You know, I think in 1903 exposure time for a picture, or sorry, 1896 exposure time for a picture was like three minutes or something like that.
0: Three minutes? Yeah.
1: So as a worker, you tell me I'm going to hold a heavy wrench for three minutes for you to take a picture of me assembling something, Uh... ain't going to happen. So we have no pictures of how that telescope was built. And with how heavy everything is, Yeah. you know, we... It's our version of the pyramids, is how we joke about it. <laughs> yeah. We we had to look at it knowing that it's been there. Do archaeological our work.
0: Lives, yeah. But
1: how did it go together? That's we don't awesome. know. How does it come apart? We don't know. Well now you know. Right? Well now
0: we know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, one last question, because I think Nate's given us the time. Um, if there is someone who is listening who has an interest in Engineering and mechanics and mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and has a love for science. What's the best way to fall into this sort of position these days? Hmm. Like someone that you would hire, for example, on your team?
1: I will say that myself, I don't have any kind of uh, education outside of high school, mm-hmm. right? I didn't, that's why I say I'm not an engineer because I didn't. But that's go to why school, I say
0: that you are. Right.
1: Um, Capitalists aside. <laughs> Uh, I look for when hiring people, um, trainability and natural aptitude, right? You can learn a lot of mechanical things, but somebody who looks at stuff and can just figure it out or Mm -hmm. intuitively understand how a system works, Mm -hmm. right? Is great. So start young. Don't be afraid to pull apart mom's toaster. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's incredible. Yeah. I will say like a little plug uh, if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, I got a book, which I believe is still in production now. I think it's on version seven. It was called The Way Things Work. And Not a I know sponsor. It's available on uh, Amazon. Not a sponsor. <laughs> and uh, I got that book when I was a kid and I... I've read through it so many times. Really? And it was just how do all the simple machines work? How do electronics work? How does a toaster work, right? Yeah. And it inspired me to just be my love of mechanical things ever since. Yeah. So I would say don't be afraid of things, you know, like uh, tear it apart. See how it goes. Get yourself some basic tools and mm-hmm. go at it. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Thank we you. adore you, and thanks for... Coming on the podcast. And if we get any questions, you can send them through to our Star Stuff Discord and I will make Jeff answer them for us. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Bye. This podcast was made possible by our members and donors. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support our nonprofit in making more digital education like this available, go to slash donate. Thanks for listening.